Welcome to Splunk Talk, the only podcast that's all Splunk and no junk. I am your host, Birch, with co-host... I'm Hal. And today we're on episode 46 of season two. We're going to have Clara Merriman on, and we're going to talk all about her unique background and current role at Splunk at Splunk. But before we get into any of that, any new business, Hal? Well... I'm I'm happy. I'm excited. It's it's that time of the year, Birch. Um, the holidays are upon us. You're so deadpan. <laughs> I'm happy. I'm excited. I'm happy. Yeah. I actually had a a a good friend of my wife's and and our friend, our neighbor. Um, we'd known her for a few years, and what I learned later that she went to my wife and said, "Does Hal like me because he's so dry and I don't know?" <laughs> and she Got said, "No, it. he's." He's just engineer. He's fifty yes. percent engineer. Yes, and we we got past that. It's um, his cultural background. <laughs> no, no. I mean, it's it's right. It's holiday season. This is you know, it's good time for change. We got a new year coming up. Yeah. So yeah, it's um, it's good. I'm doing well. That's right. Despite the fact that we'll probably get around to releasing this in like the summer, uh, it is currently just as frosty outside as it is in your background. So for anyone watching the video, Hal, is that one of your one of your AI doohickey new age fangle hipster youth renderings? <laughs> yes. Yes, it is one of those fancy new age hipster renderings. Um well in my day we used to have to render by cutting letters out of a magazine and sending them as notes <laughs> to people we didn't like. I realize I've exposed that I wrote ransom notes. <laughs> excellent, excellent. And that's my creepy character. I I like your creepy character. I don't know that I would have said creepy. Like no? I, I I crotchety, maybe a little crotchety. slight. Not even. He's really writing crotchety. ransom notes. We just figured out. Yeah, and he but, does a piss poor job of hiding it. But it wasn't that creepy. I mean, yeah. Is that what you bring out for Halloween? That's what I bring out for Halloween. I bring out all the stop. Okay. All right. Just yeah. the one. Just the just one stop. One stop. <laughs> what what have you been up to lately? Oh, you know. So I I forget if we talked. Did we talk about observability? How I've been going, lear learning a lot about the observability products lately? You've at least said that on record. Okay. I don't know I how have. far you went with it. Yeah. Uh, well, I've been learning a lot about them. It's pretty nifty stuff. Mm -hmm, but you know, mm -hmm. one of one of the things I like an epiphany that really excites me is mm -hmm. I was when I started. I don't know if I said this on the podcast, but I was trying to wrap my head around like why why are there kind of like these other product suites for observability? Like Splunk can handle okay. logs and traces and metrics. Like it can do all of those things. You're like, why do we need something else? Yeah, why something else? And mm -hmm, it started mm -hmm. to dawn on me. Okay, these are like more purpose built, so the engine is like more tuned and why is that well it's because the industry has essentially coalesced around like what defines the structure of a trace what defines the structure of a metric so these things have mm -hmm. been mm -hmm. consistent enough that we can say despite their free text form they're essentially structured okay and okay. if we know that Te they're yeah pa pause for a second mm -hmm. define melt 
and, and yeah, metrics, events, logs, traces. Like I, I feel like we've never actually gone to, too far into that that disambiguation because yeah. everyone who's been with the podcast for a while, you know that yeah, we we talk about Splunk Core, the, you know that core platform, and that that's all we used to have. And it's been a long time since then, actually. But I don't know that we've ever talked about traces, for example. That's kind well, of let me... the bigger yeah. bigger one. So I because uh... metrics. That's oh yeah, you could do that in in the you know in Splunk D and you can collect metrics, you know, what's the big deal? Yeah. So are you asking what are they? Traces are different than metrics. It's all machine data. It's all what's special data. about a trace. You just talked about how there's, you've had things custom built for that particular structure. What's the big yeah. deal about a trace? So I'm not as strong on the trace front as I am on the metrics front, but let's ah, see if I, I got this right. Like a trace okay. consists of a series of spans Mm -hmm. So I, I almost visualize like a stack, like if you remember stack traces, like when things crap mm -hmm. out and mm -hmm. you see like, oh, it entered these, like these are the, the footsteps it took through the different lines of code. Mm -hmm. So you can think of each of those lines. I'm probably oversimplifying, but you can think of each of those as like. No, that's span. good. And so yeah. it's interesting, like each system can send in its span to the observability platform, which mm -hmm. then is sort of is like, send me all of your spans. I will wait here and stitch them together into a trace. Okay. And it has that that also a crotchety voice when yeah, it does, does that. It, does it yeah. that? Okay, it does. That's... Yeah, we have a REST API called like uh, backslash crotchety. <laughs> okay. And so it receives all those spans, stitches them together, and it's like, mm -hmm. you get a trace, you get a trace. I don't know why it's Oprah with that voice. <laughs> um, but yeah, so you it... you then have constructed these traces Okay. Now it's interesting. You can some people like some customers might sample, so they might not send all of that. They might send mm -hmm. a subset, and you get some mm -hmm. interesting use cases, right? Because the amount that you sample, and you can think of it even if you're more familiar with logs, the amount that you sample of traces, logs, metrics, any of these things, kind of gives you a confidence level. Your your sample set of what's going on. If you're sampling like one percent. How like if you were to survey the population, who's who would you vote for in the next political election rather than the non-political election? Um, and you said you only asked one percent of the people, how confident would you be that right, right. what you got in that one percent is representative? Mm -hmm. So you have to find that right sample percentage that's going to be effective. But if you end up being like having that, hey, we're going to actually sample everything. We're just not, we're not going to sample. We're going to just bring it all in, which you can do with our, our product. We have like full fidelity and like that's kind of the, some of the cool points that make mm -hmm. our stuff unique. Um, when you do that, you can actually then have more like even support case type things. Like when someone calls in, they're like, hey, I've had a problem with this like shopping cart transaction or whatever, right? Like they mm -hmm. can look at the traces and see like I see your click flow. Because mm -hmm. I know that every single person's activity is in mm -hmm. here because I, I now got it all in there. So, so what I'm saying, what I'm hearing you say, the, the evo this is the evolution of something that conceptually we talked about for quite a while using the mm -hmm. core platform. But in reality, most – it was hard to get there, and most customers did not get all the way there. And I'm kind of referring to – you could say the, the SPL command transaction, mm, right? There's some pieces of this that you together. could do. Yeah, but did everybody? Did people do that? Well, it's actually hard, and it's computationally expensive and memory expensive to do it that way in the core product. So, so people didn't do it that much as a result. That yeah, was actually, so a limitation. Th this that's a great uh, a great point, and it sets up kind of what I, I was getting at originally. That like 
once we know the structure, we know what a span is, we know how to stitch those together as a tracer, we know what a metric is, just like mm -hmm. that little JSON text of, here's the thing we're measuring, here's the value of it, that it, it was measured at, at that observed time, and here's like what it was that we measured. Um, like those metrics, those are generally structured. There's an agreement of what that looks like. Mm -hmm. Same with the spans consisting of, of a trace. So now, if you know those things, you can essentially create a platform that's more purpose-built, like an engine that's more appropriate for it. And I had this analogy that appears to work pretty well. Imagine if you had a table, like um, mm -hmm. a list of products, or I don't know, a financial, like your your bank statement. You have like a table, okay. like like debits and credits. Okay. Now you could put that in a free form Word document or Google like Doc, a, like a table, like a table. You could yeah. do that, but you know that it has a structure. You know that there's yeah. a date, time, what what the merchant and the amount. Right. So you you know that there's a structure to it. Mm -hmm. So yes, you could do it in a table, but then like getting math from that can be computationally or skillfully difficult. Mm -hmm. But if you put it in a more purpose-built solution like Excel, a spreadsheet software, you now have used an engine that's more appropriate for the structure of that data because you know the data has structure. And so you're now able to do things that were otherwise really difficult. And right. so you've essentially democratized those transaction things that might be otherwise really hard. And with that, hello, Clara. A challenger joins. There we go. Sorry, I'm muted. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Hey, Clara. Welcome. We were just talking observability. Oh, hot topic. Hot topic. <laughs> I I think we can ask her some questions about observability. But first, oh. we should probably ask a little bit about her, the person. <laughs> yes. So we did introduce that you'll be joining us today. Um, I see you have you don't have your purple hair on. No. But I have it, a feeling it's not far from you. No, it I'll show you. It is. <laughs> Hold on, let me see. I got to turn off my background. Okay. It's right here. Hey! Oh, cool. With all my, <laughs> most of my other Splunk swag behind me. <laughs> yep, nice, nice. Clara, yep. welcome welcome to the podcast. We're so happy to have you. Uh, I I guess, you know, There's where mine. we, oh, nice. Uh, I feel, I, I'm, I'm the outsider here. You two both have fezes. I'm fezless. Uh, mm, but I don't, I don't take a fez to that. So, uh, Clara, we always like to have people start by um, telling us their orange story, which is a silly way that I mispronounced origin story. Um, but we did establish that you're currently doing Splunk at Splunk here at Splunk. Um, but before we get into any of that, I would I would love to hear how. Let's you got break it. for commercial. Let's break for a commercial. <laughs> Tommy's soap. Thank you. Don't forget uh, to like and subscribe and um, use coupon code uh, NORD15 for 50% yes. off to your VPN purchase. Thank you. Yeah. We really don't have any sponsors at all, Clara. I think you just promoted I, I mean, NordVPN. I think, I think I actually could. did. I think yeah. I actually <laughs> accidentally did. You accidentally promoted a real product. <laughs> Whoops. Okay. Yeah. Clara. <laughs> slip in the pal yourself, Clara. Wait, yeah. How, when did you first get into tech? I kind of stumbled into it on accident. Yes. <laughs> So, so, um, I went to college in South Dakota, uh, and I got my bachelor's in math. I, I don't know what I wanted to do with it. I just, I wanted to graduate. So I got my bachelor's in math and then, um, 
uh, right before graduation, I got offered a job at this uh, really cool company in South Dakota called uh, Sonify Solutions. Uh, and I started as a market researcher. So I did a lot of like survey analysis and stuff like that to try and help them figure out um, uh, stuff to help improve their market share, right? Like to, to bring in more customers and retain customers, stuff like that. Uh, so there's a lot of survey analysis, uh, white paper, stuff like that. Uh, and then the the company um, had a lot of changes going on. And eventually I ended up in um, an IT department uh, and, and we had gotten Splunk and stuff. And so I was working with Splunk, bringing in the data, doing a lot of the reporting and stuff and like front end stuff in Splunk mostly. How did you uh, find doing market research coming from a math background? Like, was it almost like quant like, or like, did you feel stimulated? I, it was a lot of math. It was a lot of math. Okay. I use, okay. uh, I use this product. Um, if you know what SPSS, um, that does a lot of like AB testing, T stats, all that kind of all that kind of, so I, I was using math and it was kind of cool to actually, I, and I, I used math just long enough to pay off my student loans. Oh. <laughs> and then, and then that's when like we, so we, uh, we had a, a database, we used SPSS to do all of the analytics and stuff on it. And then after, like, I don't even know, I probably wasn't even there a year. Um, uh, we were, we were bought a few months after I started by another, uh, like VC or something. And, um, uh, the new CTO that came on board lived next door to a Splunk employee, I think. Uh, so that's how he found out about Splunk. And then he brought it to us and we started with one use case. We, we took down, um, uh, doing all of this analytic work in SPSS, um, from like eight hour searches and, and reporting to like an hour or something. It went down wow. like, um, and so that was just one use case. And we're like, oh, now we need to, we need to do this everywhere. And More. It was not <laughs> easy um, transitioning business intelligence to SPL. So like, mm. that's what SPSS is for. It's very great with, with BI. And so creating SPL that did like AB testing and all stuff, it was not easy uh but it was good it was it was hard work it was fun work the data that that company has is super cool um uh because they have uh what they do is uh provide interactive solutions to hotels um and hospitals so like when you turn on your tv and you like have direct tv or something right and you click on the menu and you've got like your channel guide and movie like on demand guide and stuff they did all of the interaction for that on on the tv and then they started i think they got into like uh, some more smart things like thermostats and stuff like that to control all from the TV. Um, so it was, it was just really cool data, the AB testing for like price testing and, um, uh, what the screens look like to see where, where, what fonts, colors, placement, stuff like that impacted what people focused on, on the screen and stuff. It was really cool. At scale. So just to make sure people listening, um, are following along. So SPL being, the way we write searches in Splunk, search Splunk Process. processing language. Splunk processing language, yeah, I think. And uh, AB testing. That, that is correct. Yeah. <laughs> well, for a while, I thought it was parsing language. And then when I was a customer and then my sales engineer was like, uh, I hate to correct you, but you, it is not that. There's too um, many acronyms. It's hard to keep them straight sometimes. Yeah. And AB testing. So that's like 
uh, we break our population into two groups, A and B, and we'll like expose one to one sort of experience and the other to a base case and see if we see different behaviors at scale, like that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So what they did, like I said, it, it was all hotel stuff, right? So there would be um, like every other room would have a different, we'd have like our baseline in every other room and then what we were testing in the other rooms, right? And stuff mm. like that. So uh, that's, that's actually really cool. I mean, you don't, it, not many companies, maybe not every, but maybe not many actually take such a scientific approach or are able to take such a scientific approach to. Yeah. They, they grew this a lot during, I was there for about five years. Um, and the, the process grew a lot and, and matured. It was really cool because by the end of it, before I left, we were actually like my team, uh, was actually in all of the product engineering meetings to talk about what should be in the data that they send mm -hmm. back. Mm -hmm. So we yeah. helped design the events to answer the questions. And that was kind of cool too. So they, and they used Splunk to also validate that all of the data came in in the right um, format and that data wasn't inaccurate, stuff like that. So they did the, the testing in Splunk before they shipped it to oh, neat. production. Yeah. So, so we're around what version of Splunk or what year were we talking? Mm. About? Oh God, I can't what tell you version. Uh, the it it would we started using it in 2013. So whatever version okay. was 2013. Yeah, version five, version six. Okay. Yeah, I know I was on version six. I don't remember if we started version five or started version six. I don't remember. Um, I want to say six it, launched in 2013, if I'm not mistaken. So we, we were did. probably six. Yeah, we were probably six, and then uh, and we were. We were small. We were so small. I th I can't remember how much data we brought in a day, but it was, it was just a a single search had an indexer. Like we didn't have any clusters or anything. We just it was just one thing uh, that ran everything, um, which was I mean. And so then when I started here at Splunk, uh, and we had at the time, uh, this was before cloud, so we were on prem and. Uh, we had three search head clusters and I can't even tell you how many singleton search heads and index. And I was like, I was, I was out of my depth <laughs> for a while trying to figure out how like a distributed environment worked because I, I didn't have one before. <laughs> mm, yep. Oh, wow. It was kind of like, like this, I was bigger than the size of like, if you had a local one on your, on your home computer. Right. But, uh, it was, but not much. Yeah, it was it was at that level though where it, it's all in one server and you yeah, can have yeah. different components. Well, yeah. I mean that that's customers uh, if they don't know they they do need to know this. It's like you know going from a standalone server or a server and a couple of indexers. Beyond that, yeah, it's huge. It's a it's a big jump in in terms. It's of, a yeah, uh, it's it's a learning curve. Um, yeah. but you get you get the hang of it, and now we're on we're on cloud. Um, and we have multiple we have a, a a dev environment production environment we have multiple you know the the indexer clusters and the search heads and cluster everything we and, so and i want to get into now. that um was there anything in between that we want to make sure we touch before we get into kind of like your your current role and in, in that splunk instance that i want to dig into yeah so i'm well, I, well i'm curious so while you you went from what was the company it was Sonify. it was called sonify solutions sonify yeah i'd heard of the uh, name yeah I, i've heard of it too but i was like have i heard of it because i know clara i'm there there's a good chance also though if, if you stay at hotels like uh comp was it i can't remember what hotel comp was at uh yeah uh they have a lot of vegas hotels so there's a good chance when you're when you've been to a dot com you have likely stayed at a hotel that they have so when you turn on the tv like 
the mm. the remote might say sonify it might not um but like the the screen you're looking at probably says it i don't know for sure anymore because i don't see the i don't see their product much but i do every once in a while i'll run into a i'll be at a hotel i'll turn on the tv and i'm like oh you know this <laughs> yeah so no, i've, I've so seen while... the brand around so that's cool yeah. now uh, you, you made it into the trust and I can't remember timeline. Did you achieve that milestone as a customer? I did. Yeah. I, uh, so we started using it 2013. My first comp was 2015, I think. Um, DC. And, then, and then I got what? DC. No, he, he said that it was in DC. No, my, Florida. it was the last Vegas comp before uh, it. Oh yeah. So, I think, yeah, so it was, it was Vegas, and then was it Disney the next year, and then mm -hmm. DC, and then Disney, and then Vegas again, I think. Something like yeah. that, yeah. So it was, the, it was that last year in Vegas before it moved to Disney, um, and so I think that was 2015, and then I think I was a trustee 2016. Oh, nice. And that's and probably, I, one of those is probably when I met you, because um, the trust was kind of like, hey, I got a lot of new friends suddenly. That was pretty cool. <laughs> Yeah, it's what, like an instant family. <laughs> yeah. What, what, how, and you can answer this in any way you'd like. How, how, what were you doing so passionately in the community that um, you feel made you rise to the, the trust level? Yeah. So, so that first conf I was at, uh, it was the, it was the first year, first year they did the SPLing bee. Mm. Uh, uh, and I, and I won it. But I remember I was I was sitting there, uh, and if if I know you all know this, but anyone watching, Charlie Huggard, super awesome. We've guy. had him on. Um, Charlie, who was sitting in front of me, uh, and I didn't know him because this is my first comp. I didn't know anybody. Um, <laughs> Charlie sitting in front of me, he has a spez on, mm -hmm. and I look. My coworker sitting next to me, and I look at my coworker, and I make a joke about stealing his fez because he's just you know i could just pop it right off of his head and i made a comment about it and charlie being charlie very friendly very nice very patient he turns around and he's like he explains to me what it is and how you actually get it um and so then after that i was like oh it's on i'm gonna this is you know this is my new challenge and Gauntlet so thrown <laughs> right. Yes. And so then, uh, what happened was I, I really started getting invested in the community. So I, at the time it was IRC. So I was, I was on IRC all the time. I was answering a ton of questions on Splunk answers, um, uh, and stuff like that. Uh, I started, I don't remember if this was, I think this was after I became Splunk trust, but I started the user group in South Dakota, <laughs> which was kind of a flop because we were the only Splunk because there's only like three of you there so, in the kind of, in so the it didn't oh, wow. really land uh we we brought in potential customers to a couple of them um uh, uh people like companies that had been thinking about it i don't know if they ever transitioned it became customers or not but i it did not last long maybe something funny. maybe something more broad um like i don't know computers hey anybody use computers here <laughs> yes yeah yeah <laughs> so so it was i i tried i tried um and then um uh, so I, I remember when they did, they do the voting and stuff for who gets into the trust or wh whatever it is. And I we remember the hammer fight, actually. Yeah. The hammer fight. I actually have, I have my hammer. Oh, nice. I don't mm. even have one of those. That's awesome. It's, it's the mod squad. Uh, is that for your mod, your answers mod? For answers moderator. Yeah. yeah. 
So, um, I remember though, I think it was Jason Hupka. Um, and oh my gosh, I'm blanking on who it was. Pablo or Easy or Rachel before that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I remember they Mm. they reached out to me and they're like, Yeah, I remember we were like, Who is this person? Like, they came out of nowhere. And because I just was like at the top of the karma points or what was what is karma now, I guess. Um, and uh and then they did the one year they did the the challenge for a free comp pass for people with the most karma points. Mm-hmm. And then I I couldn't keep up after that. I, I lost stamina <laughs> on that because so many people started, which was great. But yeah. so that's kind of how I just I really uh got invested. But what made me more known, I guess, too, I shouldn't say more known, but uh, one of the things that really helped was just the the networking at comp. So I met um, I met a, people who aren't here anymore. Um, but Chris Gales, he ran the docs team. He was like the first Splunker I ever met, uh, and he helped me. That's a great first plunk, Splunker to meet. I know it was funny because I I was asking him I, at comp. He had a he had a booth for documentation at comp that year. It was like the only year that happened. And I went up to his booth and I, I asked him about a command I've been using that's not in the docs site. Mm. And so I was like, why isn't this here? And he's like, oh, let me introduce you to this person, Chris Pride. Uh, and so Chris introduced me to Chris and we had this whole conversation about this command and stuff. And so that's, I started networking and meeting more people. And then- um, So for people, for people listening, okay. So Chris Gales ran documentation at Splunk for many, many, years, many, many, many years, years and yeah. basically set the tone- that we all love and enjoy and that like very like feedback uh channel yes. oriented type of feel and the, the fact that you could read the docs and you don't feel like you that's docs in the business you literally yeah. wrote the book on docs there's a book the there is a book is docs um chris pride was like head of our search language right yeah and the command that you were asking for it was um you've got to know I know what it is. I know what it did. I can't remember what it is. It's it's unsupported. Uh, yeah. It it was the one. Oh my god! I can't believe I can't remember what it is. It's um where you have two sub searches that you can put in together. Ah. Um, uh, I can't believe I can't remember what this is called. Was it simply a sub search? It was. It was so you could like append two different sub. So you could have a sub search yeah. that did stats count by a and then yeah. another one that stats count by b um so it would use the same i cannot believe i can't remember what this it is. could be just a pen it might have been no 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 it was like a ah <laughs> i know what it is i keep wanting to say make results and i'm like that's not it yeah i keep because there were some commands that i remember like not having documented and also and i was curious if it was going to be the same one that i i was thinking of uh, but they have created a new section, I think, probably since then called internal commands, which are essentially they all have a, hey, this is internal, unsupported, experimental. So I didn't know if it was like um, like NOOP was used for uh, for like comments or was it collapse? I mean, it, it kind of doesn't matter that much, I'm but looking at, I was curious. I found, that, you... I found this. I'm trying to see we, if it's got. Yeah, now, now we have... Um, not make results. Uh, multi search. Yeah, it's similar to multi search, but yeah. that's not what it was. It was yeah. Uh, multi multi report. Multi report. Oh, I don't multi-report. know that one. 
Interesting. Yeah. yeah well, it's undocumented still. Neat. Neat. So back in the day, like back then, one of the things that I really liked about Splunk, but like engineering at the time was they would actually release new features hidden in the product. So it was like an interesting strategy of we want to know, we want to make sure that this code is like stable and doesn't introduce bugs with like existing code. So like part of features would be available there and then people could almost like early adopt if they knew how to do it, but it wasn't supported because it's not documented. Um, and so like, I remember like discovering things like commands and stuff and being like, oh, is this coming out? And some of the commands were like, no, we will never <laughs> document that one. <laughs> no, yeah, that one's for one support. This yeah. was one of those, I think, I cannot remember, this was 10 years ago ish almost yeah uh maybe eight years ago but so i can't quite remember the reason why it wasn't but chris gave me this long explanation about about why it wasn't actually getting documented why it was unsupported um uh but it was all, like meeting meeting them and then and then the rest of the people I, I kept meeting at splunk was so cool i learned i learned a lot as a customer just from talking to the different employees yeah, that, that's, and, that's, and that's, the other customers that's the best part of comp, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's that's my yeah. favorite part of comp is the is the networking. Um, and you you see lots of cool things, but you're learning things from people that are you know excited about it. And yeah, I think the I other thing was... that oh sorry. Oh well, and to to the I think something that you experienced that I always admired was like I went to my first comp and I was like, wait, so like the actual engineers are here just like hanging out with me, and like the PMs who like create all this stuff are just hanging out with me, and everyone was like so down to earth and accessible, and that was so such a cool culture because i was used to like working with like the big blue you know like these big stuffy companies where like the docs are like you need a phd to read them and then like you're never going to talk to the people that write the code or anything and they were just like oh yeah oh you like that feature yeah maybe we'll do that or something you know yeah. it was so down yeah and yeah, you learned was... so much well and then and then as you get to be a little bit more known in the community right like so i was part of the trust and whatever I was doing a lot on answers. The one of the first years I was in the trust, I remember going like my it was like my first comp after the trust, or maybe it was the year I got in. Uh, I remember people would come up to me and they're like, "Oh, you're Clara," and I'm like, "Hi," <laughs> and they're like, "Oh, your answer was so helpful," blah blah blah. And I'm like, and I was it was it was awesome, but really like just a such a different experience from. Um, from just like my first comp to, to whatever, like my second or third comp where people actually knew who I was and were thanking me for my, for my help with them. Uh, and back then was, we used to print our, our like handles on our name tags, the, right? I still do. I still do. I still yeah, do too. I totally do. It. Yeah. <laughs> because then you, you like meet someone and they're like, oh, you're slosh birch. Like, oh my thousand. God. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. we know each other digitally and now we're meeting in real life. It's, it's so cool. So cool. It's, yeah, it's one of my that's because I do that. I still do that. It's not hard for me because my it's C Merriman. So it's you know, my yeah. just it's just but but now I go with the the clarification tag two a lot. So so people know me by that now too. Um I actually and got that, no, to go clarify on. that that is also your like blog series, right? It or is, is it more even more than that? It is my blog. It's my blog series and my my comp presentations. At least a majority of my comp presentations, I I have the clarification. It's like your brand. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's like my brand. Uh, and um, I really I really want to do. I haven't posted a blog. I realized it the other day. I don't think I've posted one since like twenty twenty. It's been a forever. For it's me. been I a few used years. To do that, I, but it's funny because I have a bunch of them. Um, 
started. I have like 10 blog posts started that I just haven't had time to finish. Uh, and so now they're all outdated though, because they're years old and I have to go back through and, and fix it. Uh, part of me is like, oh, holiday break is coming. Here's your <laughs> chance. <laughs> so we'll see. <laughs> holiday break. I will do work. <laughs> yes. It's fun yeah. work though. It's fun. Yeah. It's, it's different than my normal, my normal work. So. Yeah. So I want to hear about the normal work. I want to know kind of like, how did you join Splunk and, and, and what was the, um, you know, yeah. What you what here? You because you're an SPL nerd. That's what we've yes. learned so far. Yes. Uh, how sure. did you take <laughs> that forward? Yeah. So so like I said, I I was networking with with employees, and I uh and then I was in the trust and stuff, and I got to know more people in the community, more people in the in the company. And I remember I was at this point in my career uh, where I I just needed to grow more, and I kind of had hit a point where. I couldn't grow where I was. I, and so I needed to, I needed to expand. Right. Mm -hmm. So I started looking around, I started trying to think about who I wanted to work with, um, where I wanted to go, what I wanted to do. Um, and I, I applied at a ton of places. I did not get a ton of offers, but I did get, it was funny because I got three offers all at once. Uh, so I wasn't getting anything. When it rains, it pours. <laughs> yeah. And so then, and then I had to make a decision about who I wanted to go with and and ultimately it was Splunk. So how I got it at Splunk though, was so uh, Chris on the docs team was talking to him and I'm like, do you know of any openings? Do you know of any, anyone uh, at Splunk that needs my expertise? And, uh, and he reached out to um, the, the manager at the time, he's not here any longer. Um, uh, and reached out to him and, and was like, Hey, yeah, send him your resume. Uh, he's looking for someone, whatever. So then I filled out the application. I got a, a hold of, of that manager and stuff. And we, we did this whole thing. And I was actually flying out to uh, San Francisco for the Splunk Trust Summit in 2018. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I used that as um, uh, my in-person interview time too. Nice. So it all lined up. So I was like, they're like, oh, can you fly on? I'm like, I'm going to be there in like a week. Uh, so can we just wait? Wow. <laughs> so they that let was me, really they good timing. Me. Yeah, it was, it was great timing. And so I was there for the Splunk Trust Summit and I interviewed, I met the team, uh, all that stuff. And they liked me enough, I guess I got the job. Uh, and I've been on the same team. So I was, uh, I, I initially came on to do similar stuff to what I was doing at Sonify. Uh, so a lot of like the, um, the business metrics and stuff like that. Um, it changed soon uh, to be less business focused and more backend focused because they needed the help on the backend side. Uh, so I wasn't doing quite as much front end as I, as I thought. Uh, but it was great because I was learning the backend, which I didn't really know before. Oh. Uh, and so, um, so then I, I started doing that. I've, and I've been on the same team the whole time, all, all five years I've been at Splunk. Um, oh my gosh, that's so uncommon. I know. I That's love novel. it though. I love <laughs> yeah. the team itself. Like the team makeup has changed a lot over the five years. Uh, and we, we used to be in it and now we're in security. So it's, it's changed. Like we've moved around. Yeah. We've, things moved around you more than. Yeah. But I didn't move. I've stayed yeah, here. Yeah. I've done. Cool, cool. And my team has been responsible for the cool. same stuff, right? We run an internal Splunk environment for corporate security and corporate it. Um, this, the tools we've used change. The people on the team have changed. Their current team makeup is A plus. I, I my team is awesome. I I wouldn't trade them for anything. Um, 
and so I, I started as a, uh, just a, uh, like a junior engineer, uh, a lonely I, engineer. Yeah. Like I was just a little, engineer. little peon, right. Like yeah. just a little, little cog in the machine. Uh, and then, um, I eventually got promoted to senior engineer. Uh, and then, uh, last year, two years ago, I was an interim manager. And then last year I became the official manager for the team. So I've grown a lot just within within the five years within this team. So you're, you went from uh, learning the back end as like, hey, this is an exciting thing. And now you're learning like, or learned the people engineering part. Oh, no, I'm still right? learning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is which is another yeah. reason don't, I'm don't very stop that. for my team because they are patient with me figuring out uh, all of the people parts of, of managing. And not even just the people part, but the the roadmap and prior like prioritization and so there's a whole bunch to management that I was unfamiliar with <laughs> how do you yeah how do you find that transition because a lot of I know like when I first started working at Splunk one of the big topics in the industry was this recognition that just because someone is like at the top of their level engineering wise doesn't mean that the right move for them is into people management. People no, just I... thought like, oh, you get promoted up into being a manager. And then you had a bunch of really bad managers because that's not what they were good at. What they were good at is engineering. And that's what exactly. they wanted to do. They didn't want and to I, And I've seen that firsthand, right? Like mm -hmm. people who are technical trying to be not technical. And it's hard because they, they have a hard time stepping back to oh, see. Oh, and letting go. Right. Because they want to keep doing all the technical work. Uh, but I, I, I reached a point where I, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Uh, we have like career discussions, right? Like, what do you want to do? Blah, blah, blah. And I, I had about a thousand ideas. I'm like, oh, you know, it'd be really cool to learn Python and be a software developer, or it'd be really cool to, you know, all of these, all of these thoughts in my head. And then what I realized though, was I was capping out my knowledge for technical information. So it was either I was going to lose technical information to learn a new tool. Cause we like, we, we, we use a lot of tools on my team. So we use, you know, we have automation, we have containers, we have all sorts of stuff and, and we kept adding new stuff. And I'm and like, those I tools just to interrupt are for the, basically the operations of run, keeping yeah. this, the, yeah. the data so flowing, have... you know, the, the, the Splunk environment and operations. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's all of our, all that's of the our... context is the same. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So like I said, we use, we have pipelines for automation. Uh, we use Terraform and Ansible and Docker and all sorts, like all sorts of stuff. Mm -hmm. And I was getting to this point where I'm like, I can't retain any more information. I just, things I are going out. Yeah. I'm like, I in. can't, I can't keep learning all of this 10. I, I was just reaching this point where my technical skills were just, I, I just couldn't keep up with the rest of my team. But if you can't tell, I have uh, soft skills. I am I was I was about to say that I was trying to figure out how to word it correctly. Yeah, no, I have I have a, a decent amount of soft skills, and so it was it 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 became uh uh just a thing for me where I was like, you know what? I think managing is where I I can grow more um, by growing more of those soft skills, but still having that technical knowledge of understanding. Mm -hmm how how to grow the team technically, but also I have very smart people on my team that can help me guide technical decisions as well. So um yeah, I it was it was a no-brainer for me when I hit that point where I just I felt like I couldn't grow more technically with my current position. 
Um, I think I could, if I tried something new, right. But I just, at the time I just couldn't. Um, and so I was like, you know what, manage management is that's where I, that's where I'm going to hit it. And I, I, I went, um, uh, I went back to school. I got my master's in, uh, in management. So I got an MBA, um, last year, two years ago, I can't even remember now. Uh, and then after I got the, the, my master's degree in business, then I became the official manager of the team. Um, and so you so, did that while you were working at Splunk, like in the- I did, yeah. So uh, uh, it was a very uh, on social year for me. Um, I just I worked full time uh, doing my engineering work, and then uh, at night and on weekends, I was um, uh, doing schoolwork and learning stuff. And it was a it was one of those like kind of learn at your own pace programs. Uh, and so at least it was that, (laughs) I mean, it didn't break Clara. So that's good. No, I finished it in a year. I did my whole master's in a year. Uh, cause I just, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to do this all. And I, uh, so I, I didn't, I didn't have a life, (laughs) like a a, a social life for about a year. Um, but I very thankful for, for getting my master's. It taught me a lot. There was a lot of really good information in there that I had no idea about. So Um, to, to, uh, flatter you more. So I did my MBA and it was in a accelerated program treated like an executive program. So like they Mm -hmm. would bring us food that we would stay in the classroom. The teachers would change. Like it was a very structured thing that like revolved around this cohort of students and it was accelerated. Okay. That was 18 months and that was a part-time program. And you did, you did a part-time program in a year. That's how (laughs) intense you worked through that. But uh, yeah, yeah. I guess I, I have to just, you know, we're talking about uh, college experiences. Um, let's see. I flunked out twice. So I did that. Um, and but did you out. do it in a year? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's about 18 months. I flunked out twice, two different colleges in, in 18 months. But it worked out. You know why? I was actually a professor for a couple of few quarters uh, at Emory University, teaching oh. them Splunk in the education uh, oh. work. So that That's worked so out. That's so cool. But you did graduate from the School of Hard Knocks. Is that, is I that did. not right? I okay. Did. Yes, that is correct. Yeah. Um, Clara, so what is your domain, uh, like your team? Uh, how many people do you have reporting to you? What's your domain of responsibility? Like, uh, uh, yeah. yeah. So right now I have five engineers. Uh, mm. At one point in my team, before I was a manager, we had, I think my team was like 12 people or something. Wow. Wow. So we're, we're running, uh, we're running thin, uh, lean, lean, and mean, you know, uh, but, uh, the, like I said, the, the folks, the five engineers on my team, they are amazing. Um, we also are standing up. Uh, so we just moved to security this year. Um, and we're, we're, we moved into, uh, a center of excellence within security, um, so my job is the same. The team is, is responsible for the same stuff. Uh, but we're going to, to focus a lot on helping customers understand how we use Splunk internally as well. Oh, so we, neat. all right. Yeah. Good. So we have some, <laughs> I was we, about to ask, like, can I ask you about this or this or this? Yeah. So we have, already. we have some customer meetings every once in a while they, because it just started, they haven't come in a lot, but we've had, I think I've probably had like since comp. I've probably had maybe three or four customer engagements where I just, we talk about Splunk. Um, And uh, so that's, it's, that's a new focus for our team. 
yeah, like, sorry. like for to cl- to make sure it's clear for other people, like those meetings are essentially like a customer to customer meeting, right? Like you're talking about you are a customer of Splunk. You yep. just happen to be an internal customer. Exactly. Yeah. So on Splunk Cloud, and here's how we do things. How do you do things? Like that kind of. Yeah, it is. It's so we we have like a presentation. Uh, but it's only really to guide the conversation. It's not like we have to get through this whole thing. And so a lot of it is we'll talk about um, how we do RBAC, like what our RBAC journey has been for for access, right? Or how our architecture looks and how we do capacity planning, stuff like that. Um, and then there, we it's very interactive. So if they want to ask us questions and interrupt us, uh, stuff like that, then you know we talk about that. A lot of the times, we talk about our pain points um, and a lot of the customers have the same pain points. So it's a good, it's a good thing to talk about um, issues that we're both facing or that one of us is facing and how the other has worked around it or, or I, like I that. would so- not mind going into some of those specifics if you can. Um, and I'm, I've got one area that I'm interested in and, and Birch, I hope you got have some ideas as well, but I want to talk about um, how y'all got to Splunk cloud, because I know that that was not easy because you and yeah. I had, discussed that maybe a couple years ago yeah yeah it wasn't easy uh it was a hard because we like i said we had this huge on-prem environment we had i know we had we only had i don't know how this i don't know how this worked we had one indexer cluster and i feel like there was like 20 some hosts on it um but then we had three search head clusters for that indexer cluster plus like i don't even know like 20 plus single search heads something Mm -hmm. like that like just a crazy amount of search heads all for this one indexer cluster, how that indexer cluster didn't just fall over. I I don't know. Um, but so we had this, this huge spread out environment mm-hmm. and what we ended up doing, I, I was not in charge of the cloud migration. Um, that was, uh, we had, we, we had hired, uh, someone in PS. I can't remember who we had hired Good. someone in PS <laughs> to help us. I remember recommending that to somebody. I didn't know. That I remember ever got yeah. taken up. So I'm, that's awesome. We did, yeah. yeah. So we hired someone in PS to help us go through what we mm-hmm. currently had. Mm-hmm. And they they wrote up like probably a 30-page document on issues that, that they noticed in the environment and recommendations for, for the migration and stuff like that. So they, they created this whole thing for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, Mason Morales was on the team at the time. Uh, and he was the one that worked with PS to do that, to actually do the migration. Um, and I should lead the migration. We all helped with certain aspects of it. Right. But so I don't know all of the, the, the nitty gritty. Yeah. We'll pick it. something that, that might've been notable, but I mean, just, just now that you just had to say a notable event it. even. Yeah. I mean, you had to change the structure of the environment yeah. drastically. So one of the things we did was cut back on who we supported. So originally we supported everybody. We were like, oh, we were like Oprah, right? Like you get yeah. a search. That's why we had so That's many funny. search heads because each team had their you own- Give them a search head, search head. tiered yeah. to the, yeah. okay, gotcha. So, so we we helped anybody in the company that wanted it. Um, mm. And that's unscalable in general, right? Like we can't support that. Um, so that was one of the things I remember when we moved to cloud, we helped these other teams either- get their own environment if they needed it or they just stopped using it i guess i don't know i don't remember there was a lot mm-hmm. of teams um i think a lot of them consolidated into other environments um if i remember right uh but that was one thing i remember to to really we scaled back mm-hmm. the the architecture in general uh, and i can't remember what we started at so like i said we had like a 20 some odd indexer cluster and multiple search head clusters and stuff and when we moved to cloud i remember 
I think we had a three search head cluster. Um, we probably had like a, the probably a similar size indexer cluster, I bet. We might've we might have brought it down a little bit because we didn't have all these other search heads coming in. And then we had two single search heads for um, uh, enterprise security and ITSI. Mm -hmm. um, so those had their own search heads and stuff. So, and then since then though, we have over, I can't remember the exact number. We have like 60 some odd indexers in our cluster now. Wow. Uh, and a five, five search heads in our search head cluster. Um, and then we would love to put enterprise security on a search head cluster, but right now we can't have two search head clusters in our stack, uh, mm -hmm. because we're on as, as painful as, as it is, we're on an older version right now, uh, uh, because there's a lot of dependencies to get us upgraded to the, um, Noah or Victoria or whatever, whatever. Yeah. So you must be on classic edition. We're on classic. Yeah. So there's a yeah. lot of, we, we hit a lot of limitations right now. Um, but, uh, we're working to move forward. It's just there be, to migrate over. There's a lot of things that have to well, happen. Well, I'm, I'm glad that you're on that because the pain of migrating is the same. It would be for a customer, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, w how, how better for us to learn it? I mean, exactly. whether it's called that or not, you are dog fooding, um, you know, exactly what our customers, you know, go yep. through. And that, That's that was one of the, value. that was one of the main points of moving to cloud too. Mm -hmm. um, was so that we could provide feedback to products, to support, to all of these different teams about the, the issues that we might face. So if we're, if, if we have an incident that comes up from, from mm -hmm. one, from something, whatever it might be, and we have to file a, a support ticket for it, it's the same process mm -hmm. that external customers go yeah. through. And so well, we, just in the spirit of kind of like, you know, company value open, but don't get yourself in trouble. Like, were there any like, okay, this is some BS, you know, I can't believe that, that we had to go through this and that a customer would have to go through this. There's, there are some times, uh, I, I, I won't give any super specific information, but there's some times I know that, um, I, I don't understand how an external customer, like how, how this would engage with an, an external customer, because I have access to the JIRA tickets that are created. I have access to sure. the support, all of this stuff, right? So I can see what's going on in the back end and all of this stuff. And there's been a, a few times, not a ton, but a few times where um, we have actually had to get on calls with the support team mm -hmm. to talk through troubleshooting ish, like anything that's come up. And I, and I don't know if that's how external customers have to have to deal with it. And to keep following up, and and so because they'll create a, a, a Jira ticket to to do whatever has to get done. Yeah, to escalate to engineering or whatever. But you don't. We don't get emails from the Jira ticket. We get emails from support. So support has to. So as an external customer, I don't think they have any idea of what's really going on. And I feel fortunate because I can actually I can track all of that and see sure. what's what's really going on. So it is sometimes as a as a as an external customer, I. I feel that pain because I understand that if you don't, you don't have access to all the same things, so you don't know. Um, mm, makes uh, sense. It, and it is, it's tough. Um, it's a, it's a tough thing. It'd be nice if they'd be able to open all of that information up for like what stack you own to show you updates on your, on your tickets. So but, do you feel like the, the Splunk cloud and how old is this, is the Splunk cloud environment now? Uh, my environment specifically? Yeah. Um, three or four years. Okay. Okay. So it's, that's quite a while. Is it a success? You know, are there some points where you're like, mm, we're going to have to go back? There's both. Yeah. Both. Um, there's, there's times because 
because my team is very technical. We're, we, we, we have all been Splunk admins. Uh, and so there are times when it is very difficult for us uh, to have to wait on mm -hmm. support to, to schedule and to do so like app installs and upgrades and mm -hmm. all that stuff. We have to file support tickets and get, and they get scheduled and goes through validation and, and all this stuff. Windows and yeah. Yeah. And but I, I also find like, cause I'm a former admin and I'm watching as my customer goes through that and I'm like, Oh boy, it takes a long time for this to get done. And then I look at the Jira tech and I'm like, Oh boy, I never was this thorough with like yeah, they, checking they, things. They have a lot of checks and that, and that's the thing. Like I said, you don't see the Jira as a customer, so you can't see everything that's happening in the background. Yeah. Uh, but that is one of the things it's tough for us because we're like, well, we could get this done faster. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's, that's hard. Cause we want to, we, we want to move. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, there's a lot of benefits that support handles for us. Right. They do there, there, there'll be incidents that get spun up and they just take care of it. Uh, mm. There are times though, we monitor, we have like a hundred alerts that monitors that they monitor data ingest. So they monitor like our forwarders deployment server, the search heads, the indexers, they, we have a bunch of alerts for all sorts of components in Splunk. And um, there are things we monitor for that cloud does not monitor for, uh, for, for one reason or another. Um, and so we file tickets a lot for issues that we know exist, but they don't have monitors for. Um, and, and the tricky part is <laughs> many times they don't have uh, run books or playbooks to remediate those issues because they're not issues that they that they monitor for and so this has helped them develop playbooks for for issues that other customers might face too so it's a sometimes it's it's hard to be on cloud um but it is like having that support um to help us with all of all of our issues is awesome because it frees up my team to be able to work on other like project work and not just operational work yeah, I bet I bet you're not over there collecting diags anymore. I am not. I don't know yeah. the last time I did a diag. Um they do ask, yeah. support asks for them sometimes. Um from like forwarders. I, huh? Like from forwarders. No, from like our from our cloud environment. Like uh, oh, okay. every once in a while the the it's rare, but they'll if everyone we sometimes we run into the like issues where um because you can we can still deploy custom apps. Um and so we'll have issues every once in a while where the app deployment fails, uh, and then we have to engage support to to fix it. I don't know how they do yeah. it in the back end, but they have to and, fix and it. And I think a lot of these, um, some of the details, and I'm not going to promise a specific thing, but a lot of this gets easier on the Victoria edition where they've actually pushed yes. a lot of automation. And that's in, and in that's one of the things we we're we're, we're at this point where we're we we really want to move to Victoria for all the benefits that Victoria has. Um, but we have a lot of um, dependencies on things that aren't supported anymore. Uh, and so um, like we want to move to federated search uh, because we have, um, mm, you're this, still using we, have we distribute stuff. to another, another internal stack. So we, so we want to migrate to federated search, but there's all of this stuff that has to happen before we can do any of that. And then it's the same with Victoria. It's the same with everything. So there's a lot of, um, a lot of project work being done uh, between my team and two other internal Splunk stack teams uh, to get all of us in the right position to then upgrade and and um, uh, make the environment uh, up to date. <laughs> What's like a big, uh, almost like um, the big topic 
right now like maybe it's the big like oh we're all working towards you know getting the environment ready for victoria or like is there sort of a big campaign going on that everyone's been focusing on yeah so yes the one of our biggest things that we want to accomplish is we want to get um, our environments decoupled so that we can move to victoria and stuff like that that is not as simple as it sounds uh and so that's that's something we've been working towards all year um but the the main priority now for my team outside of that is um we're working on re-architecting our ingest tier um and so uh i mentioned we use docker uh so we have most any heavy forwarder that my team owns is on docker uh, so we have containers, they do all, you know, they do what they need to do. Uh, and we want to re-architect that to be more efficient and uh, the like improve the build process and deployment process and stuff, because it's kind of tricky right now. Um, and, and then outside of that too, we want to, uh, we're testing out the edge processor right now. Hmm. Uh, so we have a, a POC going for the edge processor, because what we want to end up doing is have some sort of subscription service where we use the edge processor to bring in all the data, do the obfuscation, do whatever it needs to do, and then route it everywhere it needs to go because it's we're not the only Splunk stack. There's a product stack. There's all sorts of stacks within, within Splunk, but sometimes we need the same data. Uh, oh. And so we want to create a service where we bring in um, application logs for whatever it is or audit logs for whatever it is, but then it can come to my stack for security purposes and it can go to the other stack for just like their regular uh, tracking purposes, right? right. So, How do they do that now? They have multiple forwarders? So we have, right now we use um, uh, props and transforms to do really disgusting routing. Uh, oh, okay. And yeah. yeah, so we have like, we have uh, multiple outputs.coms to send mm, to, yeah. to wherever it needs to go. We use props and transforms to do the like the filtering and the and whatever it needs to do because we have to do source type renaming we have to do all like filtering out for specific events stuff like that so it's so, not good <laughs> yeah now have you had a chance to mess with some of the things like um, the newer things that we have ingest actions edge processor some of those so yeah so we're we're doing a poc on edge processor right now to make sure it can um manage all of the data that we bring in because mm-hmm, we have a lot mm-hmm. Uh, so we want to make sure that um, it can handle the load, that it can do everything. Like we have a, a handful of things we're, we want we want to test for, um, but we're also working with that products team uh, to to provide feedback to the product as well, um, so that they can improve awesome. on any, anything we we find an issue with. Uh, but we just kicked that off I don't know, a few weeks ago. Um, so we're still learning the edge processor. Uh, we want to look into ingest actions and all sorts of stuff. Um, uh, there's a lot of really cool stuff. I think that's coming down the pipe for products, um, that we're all really excited for. Um, but so yeah, we're, there's, there's a lot we, but that's our, that's our main, that's our main priority right now is to, um, fix, I don't want to say fix, improve our data ingestion, um, uh, just to kind of make it self-service as much as we can, uh, more operational, efficient, um, and, and all that, you know, buzzwordy stuff. <laughs> what are what do you like, uh, what's your preferred route of data, like universal forwarder, heavy forwarder, heck? Uh, personally, I love heck. Um, I love heck because we aren't responsible for the data. Uh, I shouldn't say 
So when someone sends us data through heck and for some reason it stops, that's not my team that has to fix that. That's their team that has to fix that. It's like that. simpler too from yeah, from it's so much yeah. So so my team's responsible. We if if we own the forwarder uh, and we do the we have to do the TA upgrades and the configurations and all that stuff, right? And, and why did it stop sending? And, yeah, yeah, and we have to do the we have to look at the logs and we have to do all sorts of stuff. But with heck, we still monitor for um, data that might be an outage. Uh, yeah. based on an expected frequency. Um, but we let the data owner know like, hey, your data is an outage. Can you can you work on fixing it? And we don't have to fix it because it's heck. And how, <laughs> how do you monitor for that? Are you using like uh, just metadata command and seeing if it no. looks outstanding? We, we, have a, we have a project for, for after the data ingest project to improve on this by using like machine learning or whatever it is oh, wow. that we end up wanting to use. But so right now uh, we have um, we have four alerts for data uh, for indexes, host sources and source types. So we monitor, we do, we monitor all indexes, um, but sometimes we might need to monitor a host instead because there could be five hosts like our uh, domain controllers. We want to make sure the domain controllers, all of them are sending data, not just that data is coming into the index from maybe two of the five or something, right? So so we monitor hosts or sources, whatever. We get more granular if we need to. So we have four searches. They're all basically the same, uh, except for like the, the stats by. Uh, right. But what we do is we have a, uh, a lookup table that has all of the indexes, uh, the sources, the source types, et cetera, yeah, so four different lookups to attach to those four different alerts. Um, and it ha has the index information, like it'll have the index. It has how often we expect the data to come in. And that's not that's not um, like the cron schedule or what how often it pulls the data. It's how often it's coming in through index time because it might pull every five minutes, but maybe there's only new data every hour or something, right? So. Yeah. So we use we have a, a search we use to to check that when we onboard new data. So we look at uh, like T stats count by whatever by index time, and uh, and then we we check how often it's coming in, and then we use that. So it's a static threshold that we have in this lookup, uh, and, and that's so just what it searches to against. clarify for other other people. So like index time, what you're referring to there is like. Uh, conventionally or traditionally, when you're looking at searches, you're playing with the underscore time field. But there's actually a hidden set of fields that are documented uh, that are underscore like index time and index time. And, and so you can search like index time earliest and latest. And what that represents is what time it was actually indexed. And the point Clara is getting at is like, just because it came in now, there could have been latency. So you could do a search. I always tell um, people like, if you search over the last five minutes, how do you know that all the data over the last five minutes actually arrived within five minutes? So that's where the index time can come in handy. Yeah, it's it's super handy to the, the index time because uh, just as a for instance, there's some data that we'll get in right now. Uh, index time right now just came in. But the timestamp on it is for December 1st, right? Mm -hmm. So... Uh, we don't want to go by underscore time because depending on how the timestamps are configured for the event, we we could get a monthly report at the, on the 31st, but it could be for every day or something, right? Yeah. So so we use index time. So we know, okay, every every day we get the day's worth of data. So underscore time might be what's in the actual event, but we only get the data once a day or something. So 
So we, that's how, and then we have in the, in that same lookup, we have like who owns that data and stuff so that we can send them alerts to say your data is an outage. Um, uh, and so with, then, yeah. With, with heck, like heck being kind of the preferred way, is it a little bit of a free for all? So like with a forwarder, you can have kind of a data onboarding process where people contact you. Hey, I want to like get this new data in and here's the servers it's on and here's the file path and blah, blah, blah. And you can kind of define the source type and everything. In theory, once someone has a token, can they just send data in over heck? And now, like, even if it's a different source type, it's going to come in with that assigned arbitrary source type name. And have yeah. you run into problems with that? Yeah. So, yes, people can just send data. Um, uh, we're working on a way, this is one of the things we're, we're trying to improve upon, um, is auditing our data so that if um so this this goes for like the number of events that come in if they drop or increase we like if they increase a lot someone's probably sending new data that they shouldn't right yeah. so we want to monitor for new source types that come in all that kind of stuff they obviously can't send to a new index because we have to create that index um we create every heck token is uh, a one to one for its index so they can only send if they have heck token a they can only send it index A, right? So uh, if someone tried to use that token to send to another index, it just wouldn't work, right? Uh, but they could send whatever they wanted to that index. Uh, right. So we want to, we, this is one of the initiatives that uh, we started this year is um, uh, we, we've been really updating all of our policies and procedures and stuff. So we, we focused most on RBAC this year. Um, uh, next year, I'm going to focus on the data onboarding. So an actual policy and process and procedure, uh, and then how to audit and enforce um, uh, data ingest. So people aren't just sending it. So we, we have it all the time. We, we see the, someone will spin up a forwarder uh, and they have the outputs.comp already from another forwarder. So they just start oh. sending data to us. Uh, and then our indexers start queuing. Uh, because it can't handle the load of whatever they're sending and stuff. And so we're trying, it's not just heck that has that problem, right? It's any, it's, it's yeah. anything. <laughs> so that's, that's an, an initiative for next year that I have to focus on, uh, now that RBAC is wrapping up. Do you have like a, an account team that you work with? I don't. That's Oh, as an internal. A, yeah. No, if there's anyone also. actually listed as like your sales engineer. I, uh, not as a sales engineer, but I as think an Birch account. wants to be your SE. I think I, mean, I, think I am listed as the sales engineer for <laughs> many you? years. Yeah. Um, we have a, we had an account owner, um, but I don't think we have an account owner anymore and they yeah. weren't really our account owner, uh, because yeah. we were internal. So they were just assigned to our, our account, but they didn't actually handle our they account. They didn't do anything. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we're actually just basing that right now, um, because, because of the edge processor, um, we need to work with sales to get, cause right now we've just been using Splunk show. I, uh, I got you. We'll talk about that offline. But yeah. You. Because I'm trying, I'm trying to figure out, I gotta, I gotta figure out how to get us an actual, uh, uh, edge processor hooked up because we, yeah, we face this every time, uh, we need to increase our license or do whatever. Uh, it's, it's a lot of, um, uh, trying to track down the right people, uh, okay, because, okay. There's but, no real know, we, process for an internal environment. I, I think we can. I think we can help here offline. I'm yeah, sure you we'll can. do some stuff. We're almost out of that, time here, though. Um, I yeah. want to make sure that we have the opportunity to close things out gracefully. 
Well, I, I think this might be an interesting tidbit to kind of bring us back to the beginning. Um, so I was, I was, uh, teasing about like the, what, who's listed as the sales engineer on, on the account. Uh, and the reason it's me is because way back in the day when I was working on the Splunk success framework, I was working with your, the, who hired you at the time. And, uh, we were dog fooding the Splunk success framework. And that's, I remember actually, that. Yeah. And that was yeah. where the conversation about moving to cloud came from. You probably remember, like we were both editing confluence pages. I yeah, remember you're still, I, I think some of our confluence pages are so outdated that you're still the last, um, editor. Like, editor. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and so, yeah, I was as part of like dog fooding that I listed myself as the account, uh, and sales engineer and watched, I still get notifications every time we open a support ticket and stuff, but <laughs> I bring this back to you because I do remember at the time how excited that hiring manager was to be able to hire you. And he was like, I can't tell you who, but I'm going to have an interview. I was there for, remember, cause I was at that trust summit with yeah. you. Yeah. 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 And I, and he was like, I was meeting with him and he was like, I can't tell you who, but I'm, I'm going to have an interview. He was really and, excited. I remember yeah. he, he was yeah. really, yeah. <laughs> and, and I think it's clear like how great of a cultural fit you are. Obviously, you've got this brand that you've created. You're very splunky. You're very passionate. Um, and, you know, I I have to say sort of in, in conclusion, like this has been a great episode, a great conversation. I feel like we could keep going on and on oh, about we this. Could we, keep, yeah, the yeah. three of us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, any any sort of final final thoughts or or anything? Uh, Hal, Farah? I, don't know, I think that we could go into other directions, maybe another time in the future. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would be happy to join again. Uh, uh, talking to you two is always fun. Um, I was you were sure. in South Dakota, but you're in Colorado now. I am in Colorado. I'm actually heading to South Dakota tomorrow morning, uh, to visit family. Uh, oh, okay. Awesome. For the holidays. Yeah. But I, it's, yeah, it's I'm, in, I'm in Denver. Sorry, what? Cool. I said it's beautiful up there. Both of those places actually. Yeah. Well, Denver. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there's parts of South Dakota which are beautiful. Yes, I'll, I'll agree to that. I, Badlands, I'm, for example. Yeah, I'm on the other side of the state. Uh, oh, okay. I didn't well, know I Clara was in in Colorado, and then I happened to be there. I'm so sad. I went to oh, a Splunk right. office on my vacation and attended the town hall, and was like sitting behind you or next to you or something. Yeah, I remember. What are you doing here? What are you doing here? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. The, the Boulder office is nice. I like yeah. it. Um, they actually had, they had their holiday uh, thing today, uh, but I am busy preparing for my trip tomorrow. So I did not go. <laughs> uh, well, thank you well, very much for hanging out with us. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Always. A I pleasure. hope everyone, everyone here feel, feels a little more clarified about your background and, uh, yeah, thanks for, for attending and thanks everyone for listening uh, and happy splunking. Happy holidays. Same happy to you. Holidays. Bye. 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 Hey, wait, 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 hold on. Cut. <laughs>